Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library, yeah, standing there behind the counter willing to help with all the problems that I encounter. Helps me find Hemingway, helps me find Genet, helps me find Brett, helps me find Chandler, helps me find James Joyce, she always makes the right choice. No my haere my kia ora, and welcome to Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Inika, brought to you from our home studios. Kia ora, Inika. Kia ora, Alison. How are you? Oh, look, I'm good. I'm very well, thanks. I'm just laughing to myself because having just said to you, oh, my God, we are so good at this, um, <laughs> I then realised I didn't have my page of notes in front of me. <laughs> oh, so, wonderful. Um, have you got but, it open now? <laughs> but it is open now. So it's <laughs> look, what a good start to the year. But, hey, it's been a glorious summer so far, hasn't it? Oh, it's just a stunner, hasn't it? And I've spent so many hours outside with a book. It's been brilliant. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Sitting under trees at the beach. Yeah. And I've um, managed to knock heaps of titles off my TBR list. So I'm really pleased about that. Oh, me too. I, I can't wait to unfreeze some of the next ones. I've had yes. so many books on freeze while I waited to get through all my big chunk of Christmas reading. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to get those titles thawing, don't you, <laughs> for, for your next um, list. Well, look, um, even though I'd, I told you and, you know, I was planning to read, you know, those mainly cosy type beach reads over the summer, um, I actually stumbled over a new graphic novel which I've read and it um, it really appealed to me for, just from its cover art mm. but it's very relevant to our times. It's um, 175 pages long so it's not too long and I must admit I read it in one lazy afternoon sitting under a beautiful Bohutakawa tree. Oh bless. Now, yeah, oh, it was wonderful. Now, um, this graphic novel is called The Visit of the Spanish Lady, and it's by um, two authors, Brooke O'Leary and Whelan, and just published 2021. Mm. Now, it's a um, New Zealand-US collaboration um, and uh, in a very modern, modern sort of way. The two authors actually collaborated over the internet um, Arthur Whelan is the illustrator and he lives in Auckland and Salvatore Broccoleri is from New York and he wrote most of the the script mm-hmm. of the book. And um, I don't think they've ever met in real life, which, um, you know, is very sort of 2021, oh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So now the book is um, set in an imaginary American town called Grottenstown. Um, and it begins, the story begins in November 1918 with a town parade. 
So you might be able to guess where I'm going with this. Um, the 1918 mm-hmm. gives you a clue. So there's a town parade and it's four soldiers who are being welcomed back from World War One. Um, and to give that some context, there are still Civil War veterans wandering around the town. But um, many of the residents have been laid low in their beds at home by a mysterious influenza pandemic. Mm. Now, um, the influenza virus is actually one of the characters in the book, um, and it takes the form of a glamorous, ghostly woman called the Spanish Lady. And the Spanish Lady arrives one morning on a train, and she starts claiming victims immediately. Well, that's genius. Yeah, it's a great way of, of telling the story. So the hero of our our book um, is a lowly newspaper delivery boy called Bertie. And this guy, Bertie, is really underestimated by everyone who knows him. He's unlucky in love, he's accident prone and he's awkward. Um, But he's the only guy that can see the catastrophic threat that that this virus has Posing, mm. and especially with everyone converging into town for a parade. But, you know, because he's the town screw up, no one is ever going to believe him. So Bertie has a confrontation with the Spanish lady and he then gets dragged into her airy world. Um, he finds himself on a train of doomed souls, uh, taking this really harrowing journey where even the mayor can't can't help him. Oh, this is so amazing. It was really, really good. I found it to be fast move, fast paced, but ghostly and dreamlike at the same time. Mm-hmm. The um, illustrations are just gorgeous. They've got a real glamour, glamorous feel. Kind of really reminded me of the Great Gatsby era. Um, well, yes. You know, that sort of artwork around that from the, the 1920s. Now, and Arthur Whelan describes his style as old school. Mm. Um, he uses pencils, Bristol board, oh, um, yes. brush, inking. Yeah, I hadn't heard that term for a long time. Brush, inking, and watercolour. But then he adds the lettering um, digitally afterwards. But um, a couple of fun facts about the artwork in the book. Now, the model for the cover is, um, and you know, for the Spanish lady, is Rebecca Coleman-Smith, who's one of New Zealand's best-known burlesque artists. Ah. And the other model, another model he uses, is the the late Devonport library cat, Benjamin. And he is in one of the scenes as an an interested observer at the parade. And I thought, what a cool tribute to the lovely late Benjamin, the library cat from Devonport. Oh, Benjamin was such a legend. Yeah, he, he really to be was. on the shelves in the library, definitely. He sure does, yeah. And um, other fun fact, um, Arthur Whelan does a lot of his work in public libraries, so I'm guessing he must frequent the North Shore branches. So um, you might see him there. Yeah, I'll have to keep my eye out for somebody with a, a Bristol board in front of them, eh? Yes, and pen and ink and a brush. <laughs> there can't be too many of them. <laughs> No, I don't imagine. Hey, look, and I highly recommend this one. It's very, very timely. And it was a, an easy read, a great sort of dreamlike read. Well, so I'm putting this on my list. Go for it. Incredible. Yeah, it was great. Well, 
as you say, that's not really a beachy read, Alison. No, it wasn't. Not really sticking to the brief, but, you know, it does sound absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but I'm going to help take you back to the beach. Let's go back to the beach, Alison. Okay, right. now I'm going to take you back to the summer of 75 with my first book. Now, was that a summer of 75 a Brian Adams song? <laughs> Probably not. Eh? You Just know say no. It's not. You know it's not. <laughs> of course now, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, my first book, um, which I actually stole from my sister's TV list after um, after she'd read it, was um, Mary Jane by Jessica Anya Blau. Now, this is a 2021 publication, and it's available in our adult fiction collection, and it's on Libby and Overdrive as an e-book and an e-audio book. I actually think it would be great as an e-audio book, so maybe check that one out and put a hold on that as well as the other. Um, yeah, now, it's um, also, yeah. I, oh, I think, sorry, I was just going to say, I'm butting in here. God, I'm rude. Um, I, I listened to it on e-audio, and it was great. Loved oh, it. great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, it's such a different experience, but I think, you know, sometimes it's good to do both if you if you can. Yeah. Now, the other cool thing about this one is that it's featured on our Auckland Library's Top 100 list for 2021. So this one was featured in our Top 10 Beach Reads, which was a new category for 2021. We thought you all needed a bit of beach reading. We really did. We, we, we really loved did. You. Yeah, yeah, we really yeah. do love you and we wanted to treat you with that. <laughs> so, Mary Jane. So, Mary Jane Dillard is 14 years old and she lives in a leafy suburb in Baltimore. She's polite, she's diligent, she loves her show tunes, cooking with her mum and singing in the church choir. But she is getting to that stage that we've talked about quite a lot recently where you're starting to look for those new experiences outside of your front door, behind you, out, out your front door. Now, her parents are really square, you know. They're uptight <laughs> country clubbers. They keep up appearances even with each other, and they always want Mary Jane to be spending time with just the right sort. And, of course, that means not Jewish and not people of colour. Um, so, yeah, this is the times, and yeah. this, this is the uh, this is the suburb where this is, this is happening, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, despite being such a good girl, sometimes it seems to Mary Jane that, really, she's never going to meet their high expectations for her. Now, when she gets a summer job um, looking after the five-year-old of a family who've just moved into the area, her eyes get opened in a real hurry to what life really could Mm. be like (laughs) outside her front door. So in the Cone household, Dr. Cone or Nay Cohen, so um, Mary Jane's mother doesn't know that he was a Cohen. Um, Uh, (laughs) Mm. He's a psychologist working from home and his hippie-ish wife is very far from your typical 70s housewife. Now, both the Cones absolutely love their daughter, Isabel or Izzy, but they're really laid-back parents, like to the point of near horizontal, I would have to say, <laughs> even for the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Izzy is often found colouring in the nude. Um, she eats dry cereal for, for dinner, and she doesn't have any kind of set bed or bath time when uh, Mary Jane shows up on the doorstep. Now, the Cone household is so different from Mary Jane's. It's messy and loud, but it's also really warm and um, caring and expressive. Um, She just falls in love with the vibe and the family instantly, really. Now, she wants to do her her best in this first job and impress everybody. So soon she's doing shopping, cleaning, cooking for everyone and not just for the little one, you know. Then things change a little bit. Pretty soon, actually, I think it's only a week after she starts, Dr. Cohn introduces a famous rock star client into the um, household. 
Now, Jimmy's got a drug addiction and he brings along his um, his star of stage and screen wife, who's a share alike, um, to stay at the house with the family for a month of live-in therapy. Now, it's all very hush-hush because they are very, very famous. So um, Mary Jane gets sworn to secrecy um, as one of the family, as she is, you know, after a week. <laughs> now, she gets, she's just in seventh heaven now. She's looking after the lot of them at this point and um, she's thriving on being treated as a mature young woman and not surprisingly she's keeping her mother pretty much in the dark about what's going on at the cone household now call me a hardened old cynic Alison you know I am I was totally waiting for this whole thing to go sour on Mary Jane in a really big way um, especially when they decide to whisk her away for a week's holiday with them I mean that's got to be a risk when rock stars are around right Mm. especially in the 70s yes Uh, yeah I was like uh uh-oh but yeah, I was no, worried about that too. Were you? You were like, yeah. oh God, here it goes. <laughs> yeah. But I was actually really pleasantly surprised when my worst fears weren't realized. Me now, too. as you know, um, life in the Cone household, Alison, was not all sunshine and sunny and sheer, smiley <laughs> singing, you know. But on the whole, it was such a sunny, feel good story, I thought. It really hit that historical detail on the head and, you know, the setting was just bang on. And it, I think it had just enough depth and juicy setups for me to keep keep me reading on to the end. You know, it's not one that's going to rock your world, but it was just lovely. It was just lovely book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you say, it's um, it was groovy and... Just 70s, yeah. It's super groovy, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the blurb says Daisy Jones and the Six Lovers, almost famous. You know, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with it. I reckon you should also check out, there's a playlist on Spotify attached to this book, so which is one of those trends I really love. So put that on and get some Mary Jane in you. Yeah. Yes, so to speak. That is so to speak. Fabulous. Hey, thanks for that. Well, look, um, one that I read um, that I loved um, is called Lullaby Beach um, by Stella Duffy. And it's um, new. It's just published also end of 2021. But um, even though beach is in the title, I reckon it's the beach read you have when you're not having a beach read. Um, It's set on a beach and the beach is, is definitely a character in the book. But would we classify it strictly as a beach read? I'm not really sure, but it was great. So I want to talk about it. So now the author Stella Duffy is a huge talent. Um, she's a prolific writer. She was born in London, but she spent childhood in New Zealand and um, then returned to the UK as an adult. So, of course, we like to claim her as one of our own here, don't we? That's <laughs> right. It doesn't matter how, how long you're here, you, you're still a New Zealander. Musical yeah. Love is still from New Zealand, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's one of us. <laughs> So now, um, Lullaby Beach, it takes us as a reader on a journey through three generations of of a complicated, close-knit family whose joys and, and misfortunes track many of the, the pressing conflicts and concerns of post-war Britain, um, right from the, the promise and the excitement and the hypocrisies of 1950s London, um, right through to the present day, to the political divides and the the risky freedoms that our young people have these days. So now, 
in the opening scenes of, of the book, we're at Lullaby Beach, which is in the small English seaside town of Westmere, um, which I quite like that name, Westmere. <laughs> um, a, a young woman named Lucy discovers the body of her great-aunt Kitty. Um, and uh, beside the, the body of poor Kitty, there's a puzzling note and an empty bottle of pills by her bed. But Lucy just can't believe that this formidable woman who had held the family together for decades, she's gone. And um, Lucy just can't understand why her beloved great-aunt has taken her own life. Um, Lucy's determined to decipher uh, the cryptic final message that great-aunt Kitty has left the family. And what she finds is going to overturn everything she ever thought she knew about her family. So it's kind of a mystery and it's a family saga. It's great. It's, um, look, it covers family secrets, the legacy of trauma. It's about risk-taking as we've known it through the generations. It covers loss and love, revenge, redemption, um, capitalism, uh, the pros and cons of of rampant um, expansion. Um, It's about the struggles that have been faced by women um, since the 1950s, basically, and those struggles basically for control over their own bodies. Um, You know, and I think it's really asking, has much really changed over the past 70 years um are we going to lose all the gains we've made etc um still yeah Stella Duffy is just an amazing writer she writes with such warmth and and passion but generosity too Mm. I just hoovered this book up actually it took me about three sittings under my poetikawa tree um (laughs) but I think it's going to appeal to a broad range of readers Anyone who sort of grew up from the, you know, the 1950s onwards. So, you you know, anyone from our younger readers to our older readers, I think are going to love this. It, oh, it was great. This sounds like a good one. I don't think I've ever read standalone Stella Duffy. Only the, um, you know, the series that she's writes oh, with. Oh, yes. Says the main character. What's the series yes. called? I'm totally oh, blanking no. in my stomach. Yes. I have, days. Yes, I'm in a summer days too, and I can't remember to she's my shame. She's a cop. I'm pretty sure she's a cop. Yes, I've read some of those too, and she is a right, great... Or a private investigator, something like that. Uh, yeah, kind of like in a PI slash yeah. detective. Oh, yeah. Well, look, should we just say to listeners, check out anything by Stella Duffy. It's so good. There you go. There's the role. <laughs> There's the role from us. Yeah, speaking of roles, there are a few roles in my next book. <laughs> now, my next book is was very beachy. In fact, the cover is absolutely gorgeous. It's um, it's a pale yellow and blue. It's got a gorgeous guy walking across the front cover wearing a um, a silky silky robe, and two little kids following him. Um, wearing unicorn floaties. <laughs> it's called The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. Rowley? Rowley. Dunno. Look it up. Um, now, it's been published last year, and it's um, it's currently in our adult fiction and large print collection. I was surprised to find out that it actually doesn't appear to be an e-book as yet, but I'm sure it must come soon. So just, just keep an eye on that one on Libby as well. 
Now this one, the gunkel, really hits that beach read sweet spot. It's grabby enough to finish over a weekend, but it's not so grabby that you couldn't put it down long enough to have a swim and a nap or two, you know. Mm-hmm. We need our nana naps in the summer. We sure do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really missing my nana naps. Now, Patrick, the star of the show, is the former star of a very successful sitcom. He's in his early 40s, but he's actually effectively retired. He's um, he's moved from Hollywood to Palm Springs. He's now just living off the sitcom's, um, you know, frequent syndication payouts. He's ignoring his agent's calls, and he lies on a pool lounger on a caftan most days with the thruple next door and a cold drink or three for company. <laughs> It's not a bad life, right? Yeah, I'm like, limit it. But then the phone rings in the middle of the night and you know that's never a good sign. Never a good thing, is it? No, no. Now, Patrick's best friend and his sister-in-law, Sarah, or Sarah, has tragically passed away after battling with cancer for a number of years. And his brother's on the other end of the line. He also has a problem. Apart from just having lost his wife, um, he actually needs to go to rehab for a pill addiction that he's developed while he's been the main carer for his, his wife. So a sad story, really. So gay Uncle Patrick, or Gup, is asked to step <laughs> into the breach. Uh, he's asked to take his niece and nephew for the summer at short notice. So the handover of young Maisie and Grant happens in a real hurry and suddenly Patrick's life switches from this life of leisure to one of a hands-on uncle who's looking after his grieving nibblings while grieving himself for, you know, a lost a lost um, best friend yes. from his college days and, and the young life is 20-somethings in New York. So, you know, his usual routine of bottomless brunches and his um, suddenly or very hastily made up on the spot gunkle rules <laughs> don't really land well very, you know, at the first with the kids. But the lazy afternoons on the unicorn and pizza-shaped lilos <laughs> in the pool, <laughs> getting to know each other a little better and having a few kind of little conversations um, does seem to do the trick and start to kind of get them on the same page. You know, with Cal's Kids, you've got to say, if in doubt, you just add water, right? Uh, yes. Spoiler alert, maybe a dog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> An oodle of some sort. Some, some sort, sort of oodle? Dog. Yes. Good. Yeah. I can't even remember what sort of dog it is, but I'm sure it was, was pretty cute and, and lappy. Yeah. <laughs> mm. We do find out that there's a bit more to Patrick's shift out of the spotlight. He's still dealing with the untimely loss of his own life partner several years ago. And he's kind of worked himself into this lonely corner out in Palm Springs. He's hiding his fragility from his friends and family all the time with, with the sort of snarky um, sidelining comments and kind of just deflection, a lot of deflection. But as he gets closer to, to his little um, niece and nephew, Maisie and, and Grant, Patrick starts to see little ways that he can help them, you know, on a personal level, find find some strength again and even a little bit of joy after their long, long period of worrying about mum and their uncertainty about what's going on. Um, so in the process of finding, you know, little ways to comfort them, it really helps him to start moving into the light and, and a bit more of a, a normal life again too. So, I mean, as you can tell, this is, this is um, a heartwarming sad but sweet family tale really really funny um for us for a sad story um well written with lots of humor and warmth it's a real summer winner you know um patrick's got this sage snarky wisdom and he's got these lovely ways of connecting with each kid um ways that only a uncle can you know and i just loved that um 
um, we're also grateful for the wonderful uncles and uncles in our life, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> and our aunties as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they mean so much to our kids. Um, you know, whether they're blood related or not, they just do so much for our, for our young people. Um, yeah. And Stephen Rowley has done just a lovely job of exploring grief from lots of different angles while keeping a really good balance of light and dark. Um, it was quite long. He started to introduce quite a lot of um, side character stories, all kind of relating to the main story, but it did, did take up a bit of time and a bit of energy away from the main plot at one point. But um, I was to be honest, checking out my big TBR at the same time. So I was probably rushing it through and wanting to get to the end. <laughs> Could have been a contributing factor. Now, Stephen yeah. Rowley, he's also the author of um, 2016 bestseller, Lee and the Octopus, which you may have heard of. Um, this is about yes. a man and his best friend who's a dog. And apparently this is a must read, I'm told. I haven't actually read it myself, I'm embarrassed to say. But fans of Lily will look forward to meeting the super cute Marlene in the second half Ooh. of the game. Marlene. Oh, love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, I look forward to reading this one myself. It sounds like a an absolute tonic for these times. Good. Well, look, another beach read that I pretty much uh, raced my way through, I, I, <laughs> I swam Australian crawl or freestyle, as they say, right through this one. Um, it's an Australian novel um, called The Showy Bay Lady's Swimming Circle, and it's by um, well-known author Sophie Green. Now, this one's just two years old, so it's pretty, pretty current. So, um, as I say, it's a perfect beach read. It starts in the summer of 1982. That's actually a while ago, isn't it? Um, so, I'm dating myself. I feel like it, but... <laughs> no, that's right. So, in 82, The Man from Snowy River was the great box office hit, and Paul Hogan was on the telly. Um, so, in a seaside suburb of northern Sydney, um, a 30-something stay-at-home parent, Teresa, takes up swimming. Now, she's doing sw beach swimming. She wants to get fit, but she really just wants those precious minutes to herself, swimming mm. before swimming at dawn while the kids are still at home with their dad, who's a bit of a um, situation in himself. Um, so, she, yes, sunrise every day, she heads out past the waves. Now, and at the same beach, there's an older woman called Marie who's a widow. She's also swimming. She's a really good swimmer. Mm. With her husband now gone, swimming is, is the one constant in this new life. And it's basically her reason for getting out of bed each day. Now, we also have a 26-year-old called Leanne um, down there at the beach swimming. Now, Leanne um, only has herself to rely on. She is a nurse and she became a nurse to help others mm. even as she resists all help for herself she's a very isolated person without a real support network uh, Leanne's parents had immigrated to Australia from South Korea and um, Leanne has has suffered in Australia suffered her real fair share of racism and double standards and she takes up She's taken up swimming lessons as an adult in order to try and fit into that Australian way of life mm. of beach barbecue, that sort of thing. And she ends up swimming at Chili Bay every morning before going to work at Children's Hospital. And then our fourth character is Elaine, um, who's about 50. She's recently moved to Australia from England. 
She's far from home without her adult sons and she's deeply lonely. Her closest friend turns out actually to be the gin bottle. Mm. So in the waters of Shelley Bay, these four women find each other. Um, they survive pervy men and speedos, <laughs> um, shark sightings, blue bottle stings and heartbreak. There's days that they laugh so hard they swallow water, um, which is not nice. Um, look, they they soothe their own tears in, in the salt water at the ocean. They find solace and companionship in their friendship with each other, and they learn that love can take many forms. It's a lovely book. It's a really great read, and I love that thought of, of swimming in the ocean with some newly found mates. Mm, wonderful. Um, yeah. Now, Sophie Green's newest book is called Thursdays at Orange Blossom House, um, and it's guaranteed to be a huge hit. So I'd advise people to get their name in the hold queue for that one. Mm, good hot tip, Alison. Yeah. This sounds a little bit like, I mean, not quite, but um, I think if you enjoy the sound of the Sophie Green book, um, Shelley Bay Ladies Swimming Circle. You might also like to read the um, the Lido by Libby Page yes. from 2018, which is set in the UK and it focuses around a local um, outdoor swimming pool. And again, you've got um, a young woman and a much much older woman, so tw- in the mid twenties and in one in the eighties, um, both who come to the pools to um, for various reasons mm. and who forge together to. Um, to help, uh, help try and stop the local Lido uh, or swimming pool from being closed um, by their local council. So this one will be a really good fit with this one, I think, as well. So yeah. if, you, if you're waiting for um, Shelley Bay Ladies Swimming Circle, you might like to try the Lido by Libby Page as well. Yeah, and both um, um, sort of exploring how swimming can, or any sort of activity like that can bring people together. Yeah, yeah. what were you saying? Just at water? Just add water, absolutely, and some water wings too. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, oh, that's wonderful. I've loved um, talking about these sort of beach and beach-adjacent reads. So to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. Take good care of yourselves and be kind to yourselves. Happy reading. Haere rā, kakite anō. brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day.